welcome to more to come pw comic world's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing once again mm-hmm. we're recording miraculously enough from the pw offices uh in new york city i'm calvin reed senior news editor of publishers weekly editor of pw comics world and editor of the fanatic pw's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash and I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, the news site of comics culture. And you can find us on Twitter at, at @pwcomicsworld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on social media, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And uh, don't forget, you can leave us a note. You can leave us a rating. You can give us feedback on any of the fine platforms that we are available on. Please give us some feedback. We love to hear from our listeners. Yeah, and I mean, it can even be feedback like, you pronounced that comic character's name wrong. No, don't do that. I disagree. But yes, sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. What, okay. what I mean is comments from the peanut gallery about things that maybe we got some minute detail wrong about. It's actually completely welcome. We are enormous geeks too. Fact checkers. Crowd we're gonna crowdsource the proofreading here. Okay. Boy, I'm All right. dying here. This week on More to Come. Comicsology update. Uh yeah, more to come on that. News from Comics Pro. People on the move, manga time, and hot desk, hot Batman. Okay. Yeah. Comicsology update. Uh, look, I can't speak for anybody. I, I have, I use comiXology for certain things and doggone it, that certain thing is still, uh, painfully difficult to, to access now. I have, I, even though I can find all my books, it's too hard to find them. It's just too hard. It doesn't have to be this hard. I, I don't understand. So that's just me, my feeble complaint. Is that it shouldn't be that hard for me to log on to Comixology, <sighs> find where is where my library of books is, and call them up. I should not have to do more than one or two strokes to do that. Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, we've been covering this since our last podcast, and uh, I I do know that Comixology did was forced to go on Twitter yes. and do a little update, which they hadn't done previously, and. Uh, but you know, they needed to, they needed to acknowledge the complaints were so huge and overwhelming that they needed to, to, you know, explain what was going on. And they did say, oh, we are trying to fix yeah. this. You know, they did give the indication that, that they knew things were totally foobarred and, uh, <laughs> that they were trying to, um, you know, fix some of it. And they did point out things like, oh, you could still find your books. Like, here's yes. where to go to find your books. And, you know, yeah, we still have Guided View. And, you know, which are things that I know, you know. It's like, but that should be something you don't need to tell us in an interview. And and I will tell yeah. you, I can find my books. But you know how I find my books? I find my books through the links in stories about how people can't find oh, yeah. their books. Yes. I If I go to, and, and like I said, I tend to access Comics through the web. I don't really use the app. Man, I used to years ago, but really, I don't really use it that much. But I use Comixology pretty r- regularly. Yeah, and it's just annoying. It yeah, is really I mean that's really not helpful. Bad user design. If you know, if 
you have these features and people can't find them, especially if they used to be able to find them intuitively. <laughs> yes, it was so and, easy before. And I know they're like, oh, it was built on a different code base and whatever. Yes, yeah. But guess what? You know what it used to look like. You know where you put all the icons. You don't need the same code base to have it look the same in layout. <laughs> like, that's just a dumb excuse. Like, yes, you have to actually build it, but you know what you're building. You're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's, yeah. it's just hard for me to understand how. I, now, I haven't used the reader, the cloud reader. I mean, I've, I've looked, I used it a little bit and I found it wanting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I haven't <laughs> looked at it again. Uh, and I, and I, I haven't used guided view in years and all of that, but honestly, I mean, you, it's very difficult to pinch and zoom that cloud yeah. reader in any kind of reasonable way. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they, I, I think, uh, their latest, um, remarks were that Every, you know, they're working on everything, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have a theory. I could be totally off base, but I think the comicsology people are going, told you so. Oh, yeah. And the Kindle reader so people are like, we thought our idea was better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think that's I mean, probably you know, accurate. None of us work in tech, and I have talked to some tech people about it, and none of them are surprised, okay? Because yeah. this is a pretty typical tech rollout. Um uh, among engineers and it's, uh, you know, listen, I know I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna or an apologist, but, um, you know, I'm sure they are trying to fix certain aspects yeah, of it. Yeah, but it helps. But it's, but it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. But in the tech world, that's just, you know, this is yeah. how it is. But it's is stupid. one thing for things to be rolled out for the first time badly. It's another thing to have an example that's working really well and to not Follow it. Yeah. Well, the real, when the rubber hits the road, is how is this going to affect digital comic sales? And, um, <laughs> and it and, did. Well, we don't, I, I haven't heard this yet, but there's a couple of, um, there's a couple of, uh, well, David Harper at Sketched and also mm-hmm. Graham McMillan in his newsletter both c- tried to talk to some publishers about it. And of course, well, the guy at Vault did go on the record and he was just like, you know, I'm not, we're not crazy about this. Um, but, uh, they're, you know, they are basically saying they didn't know about it ahead of time. This came as a shock to them. Hmm. Um, and they're very concerned and, uh, they are expecting sales to drop. Yeah. Um, so publishers are very unhappy about this. Now, do they have any clout with Amazon? No. I mean, Calvin, well, do publishers ever have clout with Amazon? Well, yeah, you but... know, dealing with Amazon is always a power kind of relationship. And, you know, if you're a random house, you have power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You but, know, if you're not, then you don't. But I think, let's put it this way. I think if both the publishers and the readers are as one in complaining about the same things and sales go down, that might be the kind of thing that might yeah. make Amazon take a second look. Yeah. And, and I will say this about Amazon. Whatever else we see about them, and th- their whole thing is c- customer centric. Yes. I mean, that's their whole thing. That's how they're able to do what they do. And that using that phrase but it's more than a phrase to them really has mm-hmm. created a service that you know people really like overall so I just don't see how they can continue with this when all of your customers are complaining right. I mean people are not happy right and you know and the vendors are obviously going to yeah. complain about it as well so yeah, yeah. Heidi, Heidi linked this great 
um, well, well, no, Heidi didn't. Heidi's blog did. Cy Beltran on Heidi's blog linked this really, really great meme, um, <sighs> from Twitter, uh, by Andrea Ayers of, of, you know, the really bad quote unquote, uh, renovation of that. A uh, picture of Jesus from a Spanish church. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's got those two pictures uh, c- contrasted with each other, and then the caption: "Amazon to Comicsology." Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this is absolutely a work in progress. I mean, I I don't doubt that it is improving, um, and it will improve, but it's still got a long way. Yeah, hey, coders, Amazon coders, you know, just, just make it so that when we, when we, if we go to Comixology, there's a button that says, my library. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all I'm asking Well, for. no, we, we, other things would be good too, but that uh, yes. would be a really great yes. place to start. It just seems like that's like really that's easy. A, <laughs> that's an easy way to start. And also, also within just the Kindle app, so that the Kindle user can read their comics without a second app, which is what you were mm-hmm. supposedly doing with this whole changeover. Um, how about making comics one of the options, one of the tabs at the top, so people can tap it so they don't have to go through um, every other kind of book in their entire collection to find the comics. You know, cause what's funny about it is that, I mean, basically all your comics have been turned into Kindle books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in, in in my experience, if you click on anything that says Kindle Books, it doesn't take you to your library of books. <laughs> it takes you to just the broad marketplace of books. It takes you to the store. It doesn't take you to it your It doesn't take you to your own books. Um, well, you can... You can okay, find on it. On the Kindle library... On Kindle app, you can tap My Library and right. find mm-hmm. every single book you have. Right. But there is no sorting tab where you can be like... Because they've got a filter, yeah. but they don't have an option on the filter for comics. And they should have that because they already have a book filter yes. to tap the comics filter. Mm. And then you can just find your comics. And, and I should say, I'm talking about web access. That's what it is. Because mm. like True. I said, I don't really use the app. But I, I, I do. Well, I, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do think the, you know, the web experience being really crappy still is very germane well, but i do think app. the web the web the, the mobile experience is something a lot of people there, use yeah they, mm, yes they, absolutely all yeah. the versions are crappy is the yes. answer yes. there's no <laughs> good yes. version yes. that seems yes. to be what's happening here it's like, <laughs> yes. no matter where if, you turn one version was good and uh, another was crappy unhappy then people, people would yeah. migrate to the other one but you left us with no good options, Amazon, so they're all crappy. Yeah. Congratulations. Man, I am looking at it now. Like, I just clicked on so this week's releases, and on I clicked on, um, uh, like, Star Wars issue 23, <sighs> and then it took me to a whole page that has every Star Wars comic yeah. on it. So, um, and, I mean, I say this as really someone who, who likes the Kindle app, who is not initially particularly concerned about this merger. I thought, well, I mean, they already know how to make the Comixology app, so what if they all put it under the same branding? I don't care. Uh, but that's not what it was. I, yeah. I like this app for books. I don't understand why it's so bad for comics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's what we said, we said yeah. last time, that the reason they did it was to 
eliminate this archaic, you know, archaic, I'm using air quotes, mm. um, code base on Comixology, which was a separate, you know, Amazon mm, yeah, requires yeah. its its subsites to be on their own code base. Well, and I, it's not adequate. I understand. But I think the thing that shocked me is that you can write the same design on different coding. Yes. You can write the same front end that people are looking at mm-hmm. where all their tabs are on any code you want. That's right. They already know <laughs> what it correct. looks like. Why was it so hard to just copy it? I don't understand. It's the old, they fixed it, now it's broken. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, you know what? I was complaining, dear listeners, a month ago, I was complaining about Microsoft updates. I I now see that Microsoft updates could be much, much worse. <laughs> much worse. <laughs> Sorry, go. Microsoft. I, I have blackened your name for no good reason. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please there never take a lesson from Amazon. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, uh, in in uh, terrestrial comics news, uh, physical comics news, well, the Comics Pro meeting was held last week, which is the uh, annual meeting of members of the Comics Pro Retailer Association, uh, along mm-hmm. with publishers. It's generally considered the biggest meeting uh, in marketing, especially now that Diamond is become, you know, doesn't have Marvel in DC anymore. This is mm-hmm. the only place where you're, well, where you will see Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, um, Dynamite, IDW, everybody, yeah. the gang's all here. Um, but they, uh, did it virtually again, so it has not, uh, come back together. And, um, so I, I do have a couple of speeches. Uh, Philip Sablik from Boom did his usual barn. He does it. That guy does a great presentation. Yeah, and, it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And, you know, touting, uh, you know, they're hiring more people. They're yeah. growing. And, and meditation too. Yes, yes. He did. Yeah, yeah, he, hey, Philip, I'm, I'm telling you, know what? Yes. I think he might have a point there. I could use a little meditation time. So. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there was, I, I've been given the text to, uh, Commerce Pro President Jen Haynes' speech. It's kind of a, we're all still here. There's very much a, we survived, uh, the pandemic and, you know, did really great. I, as we know, we've been talking about the sales, uh, figures and around the industry and they're, they're doing really well. So, but not really any big news coming out of Comics Pro that I can tell. Uh, maybe the big news was though that Image Comics wasn't there. I say the gang's mm, all yep. here except Image wasn't there. Um, they, they supposedly were busy with their anniversary and that's why they didn't attend. So, you know what? I'm, I don't, I can't even speculate. I don't even know. Uh, so well, make a lot of it stuff going will. on in Image these days. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. So yeah. Sure. So they, um, they did not attend. But yes, yeah. uh, the state of the union is strong. Uh, the state yes. of the comics pro is strong, uh, according to everything mm-hmm. that I was uh, hearing. Had a and seeing. number of blockbuster sellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. they did. They did very well. You know, they they have hired uh, quite a few. Yeah, they're, they're, Josh yeah. Hayes from Diamond. That's right. Now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So new hires. Uh, they've got a string of hit comics. Keanu Reeves. Uh, the list goes on. The Berserker. Um, uh, oh, well, it's interesting. Okay, oh, and of course, James Tiny. Oh, yeah. Well, James yes, Tiny and yes. his, you know, and, something uh, is some killing the children yes. is doing fantastic. Just massive sales. So, um, I will say that Calvin and I are very aware of what Boom did because they sent out a bunch of press releases. So mm-hmm. it made it very clear to us. And, you know, other publishers didn't necessarily do that, but there was some news. Uh, you know, DC announced a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DC Mech. 
Like, imagine DC superheroes, except they're giant robots. Um, yeah, it's cool. like... <laughs> okay. So, 40 years, 50 <laughs> years after Japan did it, you're finally like, hey, you know that fanfic? What if we did it and made money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think they're doing it just so that they can sell the statues. Yeah. You know, they also announced, I don't think we we mentioned it here. Did we mention Dark Crisis last time? March. They finally did Dark Crisis. They announced a new Mm. crisis. So, you know, Mm. a little little return to the crisis. Now, to be fair, it is called a quote-unquote crisis, Mm -hmm. but they have (laughs) devalued quote-unquote crises. So, (laughs) instead of... it's just one? Well, it's... it's, How shall we put this? So, once upon a time, when DC called something a crisis, they were indicating that something would change continuity retroactively. Mm, that's that right. That certain things in the backstory would change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not in a way that could be hand-waved away by, oh, we just didn't know this. Right. But in this case, by all indicators and from what everybody who knows what's going on with it have said... It is not, in fact, a crisis in that sense. It's just a crossover event. Yeah. A crossover event that has crisis you in the title. You know, only Dan. To, okay. to be fair, I'm actually really glad about that. Yeah. Because I feel like the continuity has been changed enough lately that it really needs another decade to settle down before they mess with it again. Well, you know that, you know, Dan DiDio was going to do Dark Crisis, you know. The, like, the correct, Dan DiDio was the king of the crisis in yeah. so many ways. He was, he was going to, it's part of the whole 5G thing. Yes, yes, uh, yes. But a much scaled down version. Yeah, yeah. Um, some other Marvel announced, um, they also, so Marvel did have some announcements as well. Uh, they announced a new Ant-Man book. Um, and they announced Iron Cat. Uh, when Black Cat teams up with Iron Man, you get Iron Cat. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, right. a lot of creativity out no, there. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Great minds. All right. For a minute there, I thought it would be like Spider Pig or something. Ah, well, they did that. <laughs> Spider Ham. Well, I know. But that's what I'm saying, <laughs> that it would be like Spider Ham. But it wasn't. Sadly, it was not a tiny little anthropomorphic cat in a little suit of armor, oh. which would have been super cute. Well. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What's going on here? Um, people on the move. Uh, yeah. Well, we have a whole bunch of items here just about general stuff of uh, some of them kind of follow-ups. Uh, but uh, Calvin, you broke the news about Gina Gagliano's news. Uh, yeah. We, did, we didn't um, We didn't cover this already, did we? I don't think so. No. no. We, we covered her leaving her old position. Yeah. Okay. We didn't cover where she was going next. Yeah. Well, she's been named the executive director of the Boston Book Festival. Uh, obviously, it's a great hire. You couldn't have got – I mean – Seems like she's, Gina was doing the programming for most of the festivals around the country anyway. I know. Uh, this is obviously, um, you know, she's actually looking at the whole festival now as the executive director. But, um, you know, we, we can expect, I think, that graphic novels will have a really healthy presence at the Boston Book Festival if they haven't had already. I don't really know exactly how it rolls, but it's going to roll, you know, Gagliano-like now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, and if you don't know who Gina Gagliano is, you can listen to our previous, <laughs> yeah, podcast. previous podcast. But, you know, she's, uh, been, just been a key figure on the, on the, on the publishing side of the graphic novel growth we've seen over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, she started at, at for a second, she was one of the original, uh, employees there when it launched in 2006. 
Um, and she, uh, you know, like I said, she does programming for a variety of, uh, festivals around the country in addition to her duties and maybe in line with her duties at the time at first for a second. Uh, then she, she was, was the founding publishing director of Random House Graphic, a dedicated graphic novel unit within Random House Children's Books. And at about a year, two years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, she decided maybe that the corporate way wasn't what she needed. And, um, so she's, she's set up now. Yeah. Um, but you know, for some, I think Gina going to events might be a little bit of a surprise, but uh, like you said, because I think her role at TCAF and, um, you know, Brooklyn Book Festival, New York Comic Con, I think a lot of that yes. was definitely out of the public eye. But if you're in the industry, you know, you know, yeah, that Gina really had a huge influence and huge hand in doing some yes. really great programming. So yeah, it's not, not yes. that much of a surprise. Yes. And while she was always, I mean, she's a champion for the books that she represented with before that other company. Gina was representing the whole media. Right, and that's what she said why she was doing this. She said she wanted, you know, when she left in her statement, she did say she wanted to work more hands-on with creators. With, yes, and and with readers. With with connecting. and readers. Yeah. And that this job is exactly that. And I think as she says, there's a quote in the piece where she said, you know, festivals are just the best way to connect books with readers. Yeah. So, yeah. And they're coming back in 22. Yeah. So, there so, you go. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. And more comings and goings. Yes, more comings so and goings. More. So, people yeah, just move. have people on the move. Uh, well, uh, Chris Arendt, who is a former, former writer, PW, former yeah, PW former writer. PW comics you know, writer, he was yes. one of our first writers yeah. back when we first launched the PW Comics Week, week Yeah, the newsletter. weekly the weekly newsletter. We yes. had the week, and then we had the world, and now we have how the we fanatic. used to do that? Oh, I mean, my We did it for God. years. You know, I was yeah. just... I was just looking at it. Remember how we did it, sent it out in MailChimp, and they're like, oh, you can't do MailChimp. I mean, I now I program my own MailChimp. Yeah. It was like, you know, I could have done it then, too, but uh, sure. You know, don't let, don't yeah. let's, you know. Don't uh, listen to IT. Yeah, don't listen to IT. <laughs> well, IT were the people who were like, oh, no, podcast, probably too hard. And then I was well, like. they kind of told us that, too. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And then, well, I know they were like that to us. And then I was like, I have never coded anything in my life. I will code this XML. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and you, you know, did. after after that went on for a few years, then they were like, oh, wait, we, we can do it. And I was like, yeah, yeah you can. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. anyway, well, Chris, yes, Chris, Chris goes yeah. back. And, of course, that yeah. was a mere blip. And then he's been at uh, Newsarama, uh, yes. which is now mm-hmm. Games Radar or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. for quite a while. But, anyway, he is leave. He announced he was stepping down from Newsarama. And uh, he emerged as editor-in-chief at Read Pop, which puts on yeah. New York Comic Con and C2E2 and, you know, shows around the world. And so I guess there was, you know, I see question marks over the heads. Yeah. And, um, and she saw question marks on my notes. Yes. The, the, uh, the, t- <laughs> the little note that I wrote before, uh, the link to the relevant articles in our show rundown is, why does Reed Pop need an editor in chief anyway? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a new position. Yeah. Uh, but as I pointed out, um, I would have to say from my own, uh, insider information. I would say that Reed Pop has been I- interested in doing more editorial for a long time. And of course, getting into more editorial is fraught with, um, 
uh, complications <laughs> and expenses. Um, and hazards. And hazards, yes. And so it's not very profitable. So why would, you know, why on earth would you do it? But, um, they have over this pandemic, the Reed Pop has become really into hybrid events. And in order to bring more attention to the online, a component of their hybrid events. You know, they've launched things like, what is it called? The Hall, which is uh kind of like, they, they want to launch a place that uh, connects buyers, you know, like a, that is an actual oh, marketplace. Yeah. And, um, you know, they had they, the Metaverse, which is before Facebook, they had yeah. their Metaverse, um, which is uh, just more content online. So, you know what? Uh, if you want to get more content, you need an editor-in-chief, and yeah. Chris will do a great job at it. And, uh, oh, you know what? Here's some Here's some information. Uh, I always have a little. I mean, I was, I also sort of, you know, was also like, hey, why did they, why did they need it? But really, I mean, a, a platform like Read, Read Pop, how, how much has grown the, the the range of shows? Obviously, this is an opportunity to create content too. Yeah, right. You know? But and I mean, yeah, I think it's, organizations it's are doing saying it. that there's going to be something that needs an editor coming oh, from yeah, yeah. them very soon. Well, there is a, a job opening for the oh. deputy editor. At Read Pop Metaverse. Our, and uh, what does our it say? ideal candidate begins with them extensive journalism. Well, that is a typo right there. So, uh, <laughs> okay, HR. Uh, of extensive journalism and published writing experience, substantial online component preferred, along with a drive and ambition to produce content that covers comics, movies, CV, blah, 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 everything in between. A deep understanding of pop culture space. Uh, la, 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 la. Responsibilities. Work with the editor-in-chief. Shape the site into a significant trusted voice of the pop culture space. Hey, yeah. maybe they can snap up one of the strikers from Kotaku. Yes, there you go. Day-to-day engagement with event teams. Uh, work in our CMS. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. it sounds like appear on stage and in video. Just sounds like they're launching a, a, a brand. Mm. They're launch, launching a, a content brand that will have, you know, be stuff. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, you know, I'm thinking as a journalist, but creating content can be a whole range of things that actually someone with extensive journalism experience would be really good at. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, from performances to interviews to panels to, you know, yeah, it's yeah. all content. Yeah. Yeah, definitely all content. So, uh, yeah, but you know, congrats so, to Chris. He's a great guy. Yeah, yes, um, absolutely. He, and, was, he uh, was really one of the good early on writers. Yes. And went on to do greater yeah, things. Yeah, and he's done some really great, yeah. great coverage so, at, at Newsarama during his tenure. So, yeah. Um, okay. And, um, uh, so, uh, AMC. 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 Speaking of things that you wouldn't think needed <laughs> an editor. So, AMC. Ooh. That's right. The television channel that has Walking Dead. Among other things, including Mad Men, uh, has decided that what they really need is a comic book publisher. <laughs> now, Heidi has some insight into this. Well, they have publishing partners, okay? Like, yeah. they obviously have put out uh, AMC branded Walking Dead content that's Skybound, which is the publishing imprint uh, image owned by Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead. Right, but that uh, was just that's a natural, right? That's a natural, right? Um, and so they do have publishing partners for the books that they're putting out. Like they're doing one with Titan, um, and another with yeah. a smaller publisher. So I, I think they're kind of packaging stuff yeah um, co-publishing maybe this is a co-publishing yeah but i but they but, are doing original graphic novels with brendan fletcher um like original content and i would just say 
you know, the guy running it, Mike Zagari, has a history mm-hmm. of working at Marvel, DC, uh, Aftershock. Uh, he really knows publishing. He knows comics. So he probably just, you know, talked him into doing comics. That would be my guess. Yeah, and, 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 uh, you know, everybody wants IP. And the release yeah. doesn't, the release doesn't have any kind of ETA. There's no pub yeah. dates here or, or any, you know, so we don't know what well, state of. We know at least what some of the titles are going to be. Yes, One thing yes. that got trumpeted was, they're doing a Miss Fisher's murder yes. mysteries yeah. comic. Yeah, yeah. And Which I mean, okay. I mean, I hope whoever you hire as an artist knows their historical costuming. Oh yeah. And well, that, what one is uh, Cecil Castellucci is one mm-hmm. of the, the co-writers of it. Obviously, uh, you know, a talented comics writer uh, and novelist. Mm-hmm. So. Um, We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say Mike Zagari is very knowledgeable uh, mm-hmm. about comics and publishing and um, marketing and branding. Uh, he's a really, you know, all-around good executive, and, uh, you know, congrats to him, too. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, well, much like the previous news item we were talking about, it's not that it doesn't make sense when you think about it. Yeah. It's just when you first look at it, you're like, I was not expecting that headline. But, you know, Kate, there have been... Just speculation upon speculation. I mean, remember when they thought that Netflix would start its own comics line? Yeah, but see, here's the thing. You have to look at the branding of the content involved. So Netflix is sort of an all-devouring monster Mm. that has a very, very significant anime presence. And so it makes perfect sense that Netflix would have a comics line. Because, well, they have, one, they have an everything line. And two, yeah. they have a substantial geek audience base. Whereas AMC, the only real geek property they have is the Walking Dead sort of universe, which already has its own comic from Image. Yeah. So I was just like, this is not the TV channel I thought would do this. Yeah. Is where yeah. I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not saying that it won't end yeah. up good. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, well, I guess comics have really gone mainstream then, huh? Well, I think they've well, gone... People like to announce their comics projects. They do. They do. They really and, like to and, announce them. you know, content is still king. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think if the argument, if I was going into the board, I'd just be, do you want some cheap... Uh, development IP uh, that will get a lot of attention in the pop culture space. And if you, you know, people I think are aware enough now that uh, that comics are a really great medium for this. So, you know, it it it, it is surprising that AMC is doing it. I agree. But um, I well, can... this time next year, they may have a deal with Webtoon. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, all roads, all roads lead there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so one more, uh, people mm-hmm. on the move is a new non-profit, uh, organization yeah. called the Golden Apple Comic Arts, uh, Foundation, uh, which is being launched by the f- world famous Golden Apple Comic Shop and with a board, which I am on, disclosure, yeah, I am right. a board member. The other founding board members are myself, uh, the writer Marco Andreco, um, and the retailer Mike Malvey, and also Kevin Smith. And uh, uh, the, also the Leibowitz family, and then uh, Jeff Perbula, who is a collector who's uh, has a large collection of art. So mm-hmm. um, this foundation, I, you know, the reason why I signed up is its mission is to help facilitate uh, the preservation of collections of comics and original art. As we know, there's a lot of private collectors yeah. who have really mm-hmm. historic and very, you know, things that the public would like to see, and. Some of them have a, uh, you can't take it with you, uh, 
attitude about it and yeah. want to get it into the hands of institutions. So the Golden Apple Foundation is working with its first, its first, um, uh, donation to the University of Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea because, for example, if you have, you know, any genre of major genre of art, you know where you can donate your paintings and your will. Yeah. But with comics art, that's a lot less obvious. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And we've seen, um, we've watched Karen Green kind of build, of course. uh, you know, a scholarly archive of, of, of comics, of original comics material. It, it, you know, in the right hands, it can be a really exciting proposition. I know it sounds like, oh, you know, they're taking them and putting it somewhere where nobody can see it but scholars. Mm. But, um, I, I assume this new one is, is also to help exhibitions, I would hope. Yes. I would hope. Yes. Down the and, road. and we, we talked about that. Yeah. I, I don't want to, you know, spill the beans too much, but yeah. I will say, you know, we've definitely discussed that. We've discussed working with institutions and, you know, it's just getting started. Um, their first event is a fundraiser, uh, next month in Arizona. They're going to be showing there's, uh, there's a Frank Miller movie that hasn't been shown. So they'll be doing a big event oh. around that. And, okay. um, so yeah, um, you know, preserving comics art. There you go. There will be more to come on that more front. To there you go. So <laughs> manga time. Yes. So <laughs> ICV. Yeah. So ICV2 is normally known as an adjunct. To a variety of August comic book conventions, but our current era being what it is, they are coming up with their own online event. Oh. And so one of them is ICV2's Manga Week. Oh yes, Manga Week. Mm -hmm. And so they are, they released some data that normally the general public doesn't get their hands on. (laughs) Um, for example, the 2021 full year book scan top 20 manga list. Now you yes. may say, listeners who are not deep in the weeds on the comic or publishing industry, what is book scan? Book scan is a proprietary service that works with book publishers and booksellers to keep track of exactly how many books actually do sell. At least through, Heidi does a great job over on the beat of getting together whatever numbers she can out of Diamond and anywhere else she and her various merry band of writers can scavenge it up. Many experts trying to figure out what the heck is actually going on. But book scan numbers are proprietary and rarely released to the general public. So this is a hot, hot commodity here. We've talked a great deal about how well manga has been selling in this past year but what manga is selling well the top titles the top titles are various different volumes of attack on titan my hero academia demon seller chainsaw man yes Toilet Bound Hanako Kun <laughs> and Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm, I'm, uh, yes, there you go. I, yeah. I haven't read that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I'm leaving it out. I haven't read it yet because I want to have something in life to look forward to. I want to put it on my list. Yeah. yeah. I'll read it on Comixology. Yes. <laughs> Whenever that happens. Yes, yeah, I agree. But, I, but I'll buy it and never be able to find it. Uh, so <laughs> BookScan covers about 85% 
of um, the U.S. book market. And so their numbers are highly significant. Um, I mean, they aren't everything, but if it's selling on BookScan, it's selling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, gives um, you, it gives you a pretty good snapshot of, of what the market is at any time. And I mean, um, manga crushed it. Manga is oh, crushing it, without a doubt. Without We've a talked doubt. about that here. Um, without a doubt. And, uh, yeah. you know, they do have, uh, on the manga week, they also had a list of the, the, the manga series that had the highest dollar sales per volume, which mm-hmm. is also, uh, very indicative. And, you know, One Punch Man, Demon Slayer, Chainsaw Man, Junji Ito, uh, Watakoi. What, Watakoi? I don't know that one. That one's different. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, Toilet Band Nanakukan, Akira, Fist of the North Star, Berserk. So some old classic titles on there. But, um, yeah, uh, that's a very healthy list on new stuff, old stuff, in between stuff. Yeah. And according to their own numbers, U.S. manga sales more than doubled mm-hmm. in the last year. They didn't, they didn't just double. They overperformed even that. Oh yeah. So that's, that's quite impressive. Um, because if there's anything the ICV2 people know, it's sales. Yes. And you can pretty much set your clock by them. They're very reliable when it comes to these numbers. Um, so, you know, they also have, if you go to their website, um, a variety of, of little bonuses on top of their, uh, numbers analysis for the publishing community. They have, you know, interviews with vice president of this media, the deputy publisher and editor in chief of Yen Press, um, you know, answers about what's been licensed by whom for the upcoming year and a history, a three-part history of Manwa in America. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, including uh, interviews with Ju Yuan Li, Stu Levy, and Rich Young. Yes. So it's it's really a great, very, very educational, like, not Comics 101, not Comics 102, but like advanced graduate <laughs> level comics publishing deep in the weeds really really good rich stuff you can dig your teeth into it's it's free it's online it's what we normally would skulk into the <laughs> press section of a comic con to see and then would immediately all disseminate it to the world as if we had come up with it uh, but you know, that's not happening right now yeah. because there's uh, not a lot of cons at the moment, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth some time. Listeners. Yeah. It's really comprehensive. It's, it's what Milton Greek does. Best. Yeah. He, does. Yeah. he, he does really kind of looks at the topic from every angle. Yeah. And you can get it direct from them now instead of us lurking yeah. in the back row, trying to take like pictures of their slides. But yeah. if I may say so, I would. Very cool. He point people back to Deb Aoki's manga feature for us, which I think touches on almost everything that these in our little effort. Now, taking nothing away from Milk, it's much more detail there. But, you know, many of the things that they're talking about now, Deb was writing about, you know, back in March of 2021. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, is she doing one for 2022? She's working on it as oh, we speak. In awesome. fact, I'm talking with her on Monday to uh, kind of look to see what we're, whether she's going to look at yeah. what focus well, and what she's going well, to add. Deb- Deb did the real time reporting. Yes. And they're doing the afterwards analysis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. No. And, um, 
But yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but there was also some big news in an- anime this week. Anime Very streaming, big right? News. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, think of it this way: What would it be like <laughs> if Marvel Digital Unlimited <laughs> licensed DC's entire back catalog? Yes. Is your mind blown? Okay. That's kind of what happened in anime streaming because Crunchyroll has just licensed the entire library of their biggest rival, Funimation. <laughs> um, if you like Crunchyroll, if you already subscribe to Crunchyroll, um, you know, you suddenly got a lot more content. If you were a Funimation purist, I'm sorry for you, dude, but it's time <laughs> to switch to Crunchyroll. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they had different approaches. Often they would license different versions of the same title, like uh, Crunchyroll would have the subbed version and Funimation would get their hands on the dubbed or vice versa, but usually in that order. Um, <laughs> it has been argued that um, Crunchyroll is, is maybe more for the hardcore anime fanatic and Funimation is more for the broad public um but you better believe that this is the get of a lifetime but i i mean the you know it all comes back to when warner sold yeah. crunchyroll to sony which owned funimation so that happened when did that happen that was last oh, good. year. Six months ago. Yeah. 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 But this is what I was hoping would happen mm-hmm. as opposed to vice versa. Right. Because usually when an acquisition like this happens, it goes the stupidest way. <laughs> the great company you bought now gets run by the okay-ish company you own. And... <laughs> it's like a horror movie. <laughs> I can look. Crunchyroll was and is the gold standard for uh, anime, dedicated anime streaming. Funimation's, uh, how will he put this, infrastructure was not as good. And thankfully, Sony has people who are smart enough, and this can no mean be, by no means be assumed to happen, as mm. witness what happened with Comixology. Uh, they did not allow their in-house quote-unquote experts to ruin the golden goose they bought. Mm, nice, nice. So, you know, it, it's comics, comicsology. Oh, I wish comicsology. <laughs> uh, Crunchyroll <laughs> has remained unchanged except for now having a big bundle of delicious, delicious content to absorb into their <laughs> library. Very so good. it's really really the best of both worlds. It is the best possible outcome. Um, manga and anime lovers all throughout the English-speaking world are going to be very happy Yes, with what's showing up in their app at no extra charge. So, there will definitely be more to come there on this, go. but Absolutely. it's actually very good news. It's manga time. Yeah, manga <laughs> time. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Hot desk. Hot Batman. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, well, I mean, and we, hot takes on the same. We mentioned uh, some DC news earlier, but uh, there's more 
yet more, uh, so much you know, more. trials of DC. And of course we've talked about the massive and some triumphs. Yeah. But I, I mean, we've talked about the massive layoffs that mm-hmm. they've had over the last few years, uh, which, you know, has just been really, um, pretty devastating. And, uh, then, you know, their general manager just scarpered. I mean, just he's just left. like, you know, yeah. I'm going to work with Kanye, which, now, uh, you know, with what's going on with Ye is like, uh, little, boy, little what strange. the, yeah, you know, strange. did you have a vendetta against Pete Davidson too? I mean, but what's going on? on the other hand, Apparently. <laughs> is he really worse than Warner Brothers? <laughs> well, I, depends on if you work it, for him or yeah. not, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, DC has gone through a lot of travail and now they are losing their offices. Um, <laughs> they are moving from the, uh, one building in Burbank to a brand new, it is a Frank Gehry design building. So that's kind of cool. Um, but it is a new open plan, open desk, uh, situation, which is the trend in the corporate world. We have it here. It's published yes, right, right here at um, PW. Believe yeah, it. But I will say, hot here, desk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> here at PW, there's probably you could get probably all of the employees in here, and maybe no some problem. wouldn't have a desk. But uh, at the new DC office, I've heard it's really only going to be about thirty percent of the staff can be in at one time. And this is a huge change from the DC offices of old. Well. uh I mean, you know, as someone who worked at DC more than 20 years ago, I mean, I will tell you that, uh, you know, for a publisher, I mean, anyone in the publishing industry, I think their office becomes their little microcosm of a world. You know, it's, it's like a world building in there, you know, and I, I mean, I I mean, it's like a library. Well, I can tell you, Kate, that, you know, uh, everyone that I worked with at DC was, you know, had a huge collection. Now I was at their old office in Burbank, the one that they're moving out of, and it was beautiful. It was designed mm. just for DC. In fact, do you remember, remember Calvin when Jeff Johns and Jim Lee were boasting and Diane Nelson about mm-hmm. this brand new I office that, yeah. and how beautiful it was built. It had a bullpen. It had everything. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, goodbye. Uh, you know, that's gone. Everything. Yeah. Well, of course, no one's been going to it. Yes, <laughs> yes. The last two and years. I guess that that proved that you could make DC Comics without even going into the office. So that is why it is being radically downsized. However, I am also told that this was in the works a long time before the pandemic. So it's mm-hmm. not a definitely a reaction to the pandemic. Um and what will happen when Discovery takes over Warner Brothers? Um who knows? Uh, DC's fate is definitely up there. Uh but finally, I will say I have talked to some sources close to DC. Uh and uh let's see if I can find um what the quote is um it sucks. <laughs> um and it's a fucking disaster. Yeah, uh, okay. I mean, listeners, okay. I can speak from some experience, not nearly as much as Heidi. But when I was in college, I interned at DC. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You remember the office as well. I Kate. remember that's it right. well. I remember the working bath signal, mm-hmm. which yeah. was amazing. <laughs> um, and I mean, the vast physical library of books, which I hope they took with them, but I don't know for sure yeah. they did. Um, and listeners, you don't, you may not get just how intrinsic everybody that the physical space was to the atmosphere and was to the way people did business. I mean, everybody had their own little enclave, their own little group of offices for 
for this part of DC and that part of DC. And, you know, like I was in the Vertigo section and we never saw anybody from any of the other sections. It was, it was like, you know, reams of books and reference materials and art and where is all of that going to go? So I can tell you. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, if you were there, uh, by the way, so that old office at 1700, even at the time, uh, 1700 Broadway, I noticed that it was even at that time, 20 years ago, um, you know, I assume you interned after that. So probably yeah. in the, the aughts sometime. Um, but at that time, you know, the fact that it had solid doors that you could close so nobody could see what was going on in your office, that was so old school. Yeah. Okay. And people took advantage of that. And I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Well, but, you know, they well, could always do what they do at my, uh, clinic where I work, which is we have glass doors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But they are doors. Yes. And so you can't necessarily, you can't hear what's going on inside. You can see the people. Yeah, well, at the old DC office, you couldn't see what was going no, on. No, but I'm just saying you can still have office. Let's put it this way. It is possible, as witness the glass door on this very meeting room yes. at Publishers Weekly, to have an office where people can have their own offices, have their own space, have their own quiet and privacy, and still make it a little harder for people to behave inappropriately. Well, there is a uh, – the trend – in corporate America is towards open plan. That's been for also for the last 20 years. Um, and, and that's why they're reinventing the phone booth. Yes. And I will say that it is proven that it does not increase productivity no. in any way. No. And um, that it is a detriment, but they keep doing it because it's uh, also is cheap. Well, it's cheaper and it, it, cheaper is the main reason, but it's also a psychological thing. Yeah. Um, and let's remember if we have Nobody wants to come into an office anymore. Yes. That is well, correct. but they especially don't want to come into an office if they can't even have their own desk. Yes. Well, I, I well, I only, all I'm saying is this. I'm not sure if, if that's a chicken and egg. You know, are they coming in because they can't have the desk or they don't want a, de they, they don't want a desk. So they, there's no need to have it. Well, I don't know which one it, it is first, but what we're seeing across the country and in this business here, is that nobody wants to come into the office. Why do you need one? Yeah. Okay, maybe you do need one for some things, but uh to have a desk for every single person in this in the in the company? Mm. You know, I I you know, Kate did you just brought up the library and um I am told that the, the archives yeah. the archives that it has been preserved, but it is not on site. But it so, should be on site. Uh, yes. Hello. Yes. True. Hello. Um, I mean, there are certain things that, um, if they stick it in Iron Mountain, no one's going to freaking see it. Yes, <laughs> and we're sending it to Iron Mountain. Yes, which is the uh, listeners, which is the storage company. Yeah, well, Iron Mountain north. is the beloved <laughs> storage company back. where everything from the publishing industry that they can't bear to throw out but never want to see again goes. So yeah, it sounds like what, the hideout of a Well, when I worked at, yeah. when I worked at Disney, it was a, the trailer. We're sending it to a trailer because apparently on the lot they had some trailers where they would put things. And uh those trailers, I mean again, I worked at Disney even longer ago, but uh they were, you know, what they did with that original art and stuff. Uh, I hope they preserved it because it's quite valuable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say. Hello, I Golden Apple uh, Comic Art Foundation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I will say Iron Mountain's a better fate than that because at least it's a climate 
controlled yeah. underground facility that will keep all of it in good condition. Yeah. But, uh, you know, overall, I would say this story um, is... Uh, I mean, like I said, people that I talked to were End very, were very negative about it. Okay. They were not happy because, mm-hmm. uh, they had to take all the crap from their office, which mm-hmm. as Kate can attest is a lot. a lot of crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. Back home and not everybody, you know, like even, yeah, I mean, you know, even if people don't want to go into the office, um, they don't want more crap at home. So, well, I mean, in a lot of this, I mean, we say crap, but unlike Publishers Weekly, Sorry, guys, I'm going to tell on us. Oh. Unlike Publishers Weekly, where most of the stuff sitting around was just sitting around because it was fun mm-hmm. and not necessarily because we were ever going to use it for anything productive. At DC, there was a lot of reference material and there useful was. stuff in those offices. There was. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of, of DC's workers live in metropolitan areas where they don't have a lot of space and can't afford a lot of space on a DC salary to keep all of their important archives and office supplies. Like it's, it's a cheap apartment land. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. And I'm looking at the the so-called trend, but you know, if people are complaining about it, then they're unhappy. It's a trend that makes sense financially, but it's got to stink if you work there. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, listen, this is just part of the dismantling of DC Comics. Uh, hopefully it will persevere, uh, because, uh, I'm hopeful that the new owners of Warner Brothers, Warner Media will, uh, understand the importance of DC because they have a big, huge movie opening tomorrow with Batman, yeah. you know, which everybody's talking about. True. Calvin, you can't wait to see it. Right? I want to see it. I'm uh, a Batman know, guy. I mean, I've already seen it, which I had to pull a lot of strings to get to see it, but I have seen it already. And, um, so yeah, I mean, Batman, they, they just had the big premiere here in New York, right? Um, and they're doing something really smart with the marketing, something that DC has not done in the past. Indeed, even Marvel has not done to the degree that they should of using the tie-in material, using the related back issues and graphic novels to lure people well, they're to gi- their online... Yeah, they're uh, giving them away on, com- on DC Unlimited, right. correct? In order to read these books for free you need to create a dc unlimited infinite which is to say dc's like back catalog app account so they are getting people to sign up for their service yeah it's in a, the it's hopes a, that they will no pay burner. for it and it's a win-win because one maybe they'll buy the service Two, even if they don't buy the service, maybe these people who are accessing these books for free will realize that they enjoy Batman comics and will buy more from DC. And this is the kind of thing that we have long sighed over yeah. uh, with major comics But they movies. did. They have. There's a lot. I will say, even as they are shrinking their office, there has been a lot more integration between DC Comics and the studio on some of the promotion. Now, when I say a lot, it's still pretty minor, but they mm-hmm. did do a special poster that said with a 800 number on it for the Batman. And there was a trailer that had, um, yeah. but, you know, but this is, this is good too, because it actually gets people who may not be regular readers of DC comics 
a chance to read it for free in the hopes that they'll go, oh, hey, I like this author when he's writing Batman. I'm going to buy his other Batman books. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 yes, it's like, you know, get him, hook him with a free. Yeah, they're, hook, hook him with, with a free, free thing and, and link those mega popular movies to those not selling as well comics. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a really smart move. Um, and, uh, but also, you know, just to tie back to Comics Pro, one thing they did announce at Comics Pro was that the new writer on Batman, for I think it's just a storyline. He's not indefinite. As, no, but even yeah. so. Of all people, Chip Zdarsky, sure. mm-hmm. uh, with Jorge Jimenez. And that's, uh, wow. Okay. Good. You know, Chip, I knew him when. Yeah. Uh, boy, did I know him when. Well, the yeah. art they had posted looked pretty good. Yeah. So, Chip is a longtime comic fan, but not actually originally from the comic book industry. That's correct. But I mean, he's been writing comics for 20 years. So. He has. Yeah. But what I mean is firmly moved over. He, he has. He has. But there's a difference between Chip Zdarsky, uh, book publishing bigwig dash occasional comics writer and Chip Zdarsky, the guy who's writing Batman. Yeah. I would just say that Chip, you know, um, do you remember Chip's first book? It was like that Prison Funnies book. So anyway, it's 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 really great for him. And you know, yeah. congrats to Chip. You got the you got the nod, kid. Um, and also, it's a big deal writing Batman. It is. It is. Many are called, mm-hmm. but few are chosen. And finally, uh, speaking of writers who <laughs> are called veteran, veteran, veteran. Um, Grant Morrison, you know, and Chip is on Substack. And Grant Morrison also was on Substack. I think we mentioned it. And you know, a lot of people are like, whatever. Oh my God. It is must reading. Um, they are dishing the dirt on, uh, 5G, on Dan DeDio. Yes. And really, I mean, Grant is, look, I'm a Grant fangirl. I'll just be honest. Uh, and he's a great writer. They're, they're yeah. a great writer. Um, you should be mindful that Grant is now goes by they, them pronouns. Um, which is hard when I've known him so long, but, uh, you know, good for them. Uh, to mix pronouns. But anyway, yeah, it is, mm-hmm. he, they are dishing. They are dishing. Yeah. And I will say as someone who is generally more hit or miss with Grant Morrison, uh, I was telling Heidi and Calvin that, uh, when, Grant Morrison is off. They're maybe a little self-absorbed and solipsistic, but when they're on, they're really, really on. Well, (laughs) they're really, really on right now because 5G was supposed to be this mega, mega event that like ate the DCU and redid the timeline in a very confusing and, in my opinion, badly thought out way. (laughs) Um, But now... From what Grant Morrison has let loose about what was originally planned, oh, it wouldn't just have messed with the timeline. It also would have made Superman into a fascist dictator. Well, you know, I just, I'll read the one little quote because it really just spoke to me. Um, that they wanted Supergirl to become a dark, dark mm-hmm. character. Uh, and, 
uh, Grant writes, why? I say, oh, why? I wish I could, I, you know, I would imitate his Glaswegian accent, but it's impossible. Why, oh, why is it so hard to simply serve the concept and write the adventures of a smart, creative, and kind-hearted teenage girl with superpowers? What purpose, earthly or unearthly, is served by making this character an embittered space tyrant? And, you know, that is DC in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, our certain era of DC in a nutshell. Yep. It's like, you know, I just saw that one of the announcements they did at Comics Pro was um, a new young Wonder Woman comic um, by uh, Shannon Hale. Best-selling author, yeah. Shannon Hale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hey, do you remember just how they were, you know, during the aughts, Oh, as the internet on live journal, every once in a while, some cartoonist, usually female, would put up, you know, here's my Wonder Woman pitch that got rejected. And it would be this adorable, charming story of young Wonder Woman learning on Amazon Island. And, you know, and everybody's like, oh, this should be great. And I'm like, nope, rejected, rejected. Or well, alternately, Wonder Woman having a wonderful heroic adventure and being super inspiring. And everyone was like, hey, that would be a cool take. Yes. And then that would not happen. Yeah. yeah. Not well. Uh, now, yes. Wonder hey. Woman for all ages and Supergirl for all mm. ages. Yeah. Multiple interpretations. Yes. I mean, yeah. Um, well, I mean, DC has now acknowledged once again that it's a multiverse, so yeah. uh, everything is possible. Yeah. So would you have been there for Supergirl embittered space tyrant? No. <laughs> because, okay, and, and listeners, I want to give you some background here. As I just said earlier this episode, yes, I interned at Vertigo, and I picked Vertigo in person. I love Vertigo books. I do not have anything against embittered or dark characters, but... You know, I, I'm with uh, Grant Morrison on this. There's a time and a place. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Supergirl just isn't it. You yeah. know, like, there are a lot of characters I could see being like Lex Luthor, embittered space tyrant. I would buy that comic. Supergirl, embittered space tyrant? Eh, not, not seeing it. No. Well, didn't he point to that really hilarious uh, Jessica Abel, Supergirl? Yeah. Dylan Hall, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. Harks wrote it. Um, yeah. And that he said or that they said was the best Supergirl they'd ever. Yes, read. it was and very charming. They, they uh, placed their, yes. car, their take on that. Uh, on like that. I, I think this is brilliant. Really, yeah, I think this is a really fabulous position that he's taken, and of course he articulates it uh, in a way that's irresistible. Although he does say that he's he is allowing for the possibility that Dan Didio was just putting him on in the hopes of luring him into writing Superman in order to rescue Superman. Yeah, but I I think. I'm no fan of Dan DiDio, but I will say I don't think he was that Machiavellian. Heidi's making the I don't know face. <laughs> so I guess we'll leave that up in the air. We go. shall never know. No. We shall never know. No. But, you know, I've said many times I can't wait until we get far enough away from the crisis era that we can get the oral history of it. And uh, Grant this is Morrison, the first piece. Oh, yeah. Uh, James <laughs> Tynion has also done some on his substack, but not quite in the flair that Grant Morrison has. So, so um... Substack, maybe not a threat or a menace after all. <laughs> well, something to read. We'll see. We will we'll see. see. I guess there'll be yeah. more to come. Heidi <laughs> <laughs> is doing a thing with her arm, and I don't okay, know, I know what it means. It's, I've seen it on flight control, people out on the tarmac. Well, I, 